Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weishi Radio Podcast. This episode was recorded live on air at 91.8 Hayes FM and so there were some live adverts which I have chopped out for you for easy listening. So please don't mind the gaps. Hello and welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM. This is the Weishi Radio Show with myself, Nicola Chan, and today my special guest, Matt Lovett. Hi. It is love it, isn't it? It is, correct. I just realised I haven't said your surname for a while, so I just wanted to <laughs> check that I'm saying it correctly. So Matt is from APS Fitness. That's right, yep. correct. Um, would you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what is APS Fitness? So APS Fitness is a, uh, we call it like a health and fitness company, um, started by me and my friend Ross back in 2011. And we do all sorts of things with health and fitness. We kind of do one-on-one coaching classes, workshops, seminars. We've done lots of different things over the years. Um, and currently we're working a lot with people with pains, injuries, that kind of realm of things, um, as well as sport. We're both very sporty, um, so we kind of delve into sports performance and stuff as well, and we obviously pick up loads of other things within the health and fitness world. So just on that point while you're talking about pain and injuries, do you find that people come to you because they've got pain and injuries already, or is it like general people trying to get fit and then you help them through the, the pain and injuries that you get? as a consequence of yeah so it definitely started that way it started that we were basically just you know the regular health and fitness things people wanted to you know lose a bit of weight get in shape for a wedding run a marathon and everyone had pain so you couldn't quite do the things that you wanted to do you know you wanted to do some cardio stuff for for people you wanted to do some strength stuff and that their knees hurt or their back hurt and stuff so we had to start developing ways to you know get around that you either ignore it train through it ignore it do something else or you try and fix it um mm-hmm. and we both have had injuries in the past and uh i just call it like life pains like wear and tear kind of pains that you know not a big injury where you know blow out your knee ligaments or, or something but just it's things where you know my knee is really starting to hurt and my hip is starting to hurt and my back is starting to hurt now mm-hmm. so we want as with most people in the health fitness industry you start to try to answer your own questions right you have you know problems yourself so you seek the answers and then Google, you find yeah. them and then <laughs> and then you start and then you know that leads you to be able to help other people with it so it started that way and now it's become more of a you know a thing we advertise and obviously word of mouth spreads around that you know i had a bad back you should go and see these guys and so and now people sort of come to us um with that they usually it's still layered usually people i'd say that most of the people that we treat have pain and injury that's preventing them from do something that's kind of our our market is people that want to be able to do a sport, want to be able to cycle, run, even things like gardening or play with their kids. You know, it doesn't have to be hugely athletic, um, impressive things. They just want to do day-to-day active things and they can't and they would like a way around it. And that's a lot of the people that we work with, people that are what we call restricted and we try to let them live unrestricted lives. Mm-hmm. How about people who are like sitting at a desk all day? Um, like so not really being very active and then start to get active and obviously because their body's not used to doing anything you you become really aware of how everything feels and obviously just general fitness you work a muscle it's going to feel a bit of pain afterwards Um, and I found people who are very very new to fitness really struggle with that initial feeling pain and and I heard another trainer actually tell me their client maybe it was you I don't remember (laughs) someone told me their client took themselves to hospital because they were in so much pain just from their first session I did that might have been me I had (laughs) I had someone ring I used to work at like a commercial gym and I did a induction with someone 
and this is probably this is at the the start of my career where it was probably you know more fitness based than it was you know prehab or rehab based so it was probably you know a harder session maybe than they had needed on their initial one um and they'd never done anything before and i did get a phone call the next day um for the gym the reception got a phone call and i had to go to the reception and speak to them and they were basically inquiring as to whether they should go to hospital because they're in that much pain um but it turned out you know three days later the the muscle soreness died down and it was just a, a rude awakening into exercise for them but yeah that's probably my bad it was probably a bit mm-hmm. too hard but yeah <laughs> they, they didn't need any hospital treatment but at the same time people sitting at desk all day get a lot of aches and pains don't they just from being so inactive yeah they do tight hips and things like that yeah really tight hips um you know tight behind the back of the knee bad posture and it certainly is a big problem with people that are trying to be active um as well as as well as you know having a job where they're sitting down for like 10 hours a day um what's weird sometimes is the people that aren't active that sit down all the time they don't realize how stiff they are. Sometimes you do it for so long. Because I often get complaints from people that are active that, you know, so-and-so at work never complains of a bad mm-hmm. neck and a bad, you know, back. And I think sometimes that's because they're not doing anything t- to test it. Yeah. Whereas if you, you know, get up from 10 hours of, of desk work and try to play squash, you're yeah. very aware of my back, my neck. But if you just go home and sit down again... Because your body gets good at what you do, isn't it? Exactly. So you're getting yeah. good at sitting down. <laughs> yeah, so I often think that the more active you are, the more aware of it you are. And so sometimes the more you complain. So it does almost seem that like active people, you know, have more aches and pains and stuff. And I think it's just, mm. one, they probably do because they're actually putting a little bit of wear and tear on things. But actually, I think they're just aware of it. It's like people start eating really healthily. And they, you know, and a lot of people then stop indulging in treats and stuff because actually you become very aware that, you know, I've eaten the, the dessert and now I'm in a bit of a slumber and can't operate um, properly. And you feel it. Whereas if, you know, if, if you're often spiking your blood sugar levels up and down, up and down, you don't necessarily notice as much. Tell us what else you do at, at APS Fitness. I keep trying um, in my head. I'm going apps fitness. I remember I did this last time because uh, Matt's actually been on the show before. Um, but I thought we'll have a recap now that we have a nice studio and it's been a while and we see what you've been up it's to. It's very plush here now. So if you'd like to just tell us a little bit more about APS Fitness. And I'm going to find our Facebook Live on Facebook and share it on my page while you do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. So we uh, established the, the company in 2011 and we actually got into our own kind of little premises in 2012. Um, which was based over towards Maidenhead. And we're actually in the, the, we've been there ever since the beginning of this year, and we've actually just started the process of moving. Um, so we're moving a little bit down the road to a more uh, spacious, slightly kind of hopefully better facility that will be up and running in a few months. Um, so you're not where I went to see you? No, we're currently in a, we're currently in an intermediate uh, place because the timings of leaving the other place and our new place being ready got mucked up. Okay. So we're we're working in a kind of make do space, but it's you know it's fine. It's got all our kit and it. it's working well, mm-hmm. um, and we should be in the new place. Um, come hopefully the end of March, but you know building work and stuff, it can always be. March a is bit a delayed. nice time, and the weather starts getting better. Yeah, I can't wait. I did, the, the problem with this place is that the last place we had was like it had windows all down one side, and we had mirrors and stuff, so it felt it felt quite um, nicely like naturally lit. Mm. Whereas this place doesn't have any natural windows. It's like a, a okay. big garage. So it's well yeah. lit, as in, but it's all lights and, and unnatural. So it does get a little claustrophobic. have to keep going out for little fresh air breaks. Yeah. How are your clients finding it with the move from one location to another? Yeah, fine. They, they've all been really cool about it. I freaked out when we realized we were going to have to move twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as with all things with life, if you explain things, people are, are fairly 
understanding. Um, you know, and I think it's reinforcing that most people are coming for the service we offer and now, you know, expertise and brains rather than just the location. But when you've been at a nice location, you kind of rely on it. So you begin to think that's a big part of, you know, why people are coming because it's a nice venue. It's, it's nice looking. But, you know, I don't think the majority of people mind at all. So tell us a little bit about yourself and Ross and your background, how you how you met each other and how you decided to come up with APS Fitness. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've been sporty forever. It's always been, I don't know. Uh, I mean, my parents were always active and stuff, um, but I don't really know. I can't remember the first thing that made me want to start doing sport. Um, I just always did, followed football, followed rugby. So did you enjoy PE at school? Yeah, loved it. That's interesting because I hated PE. Did you? (laughs) And then got into sport later when it was something that I could do alone rather than in a group. I don't think it's necessarily taught. I mean, this is when I was at school. Um, I'm not sure it's taught in the best way. I think when I was at school, it's taught in a way that if you like sport, you'll like it. But they're not really trying to open it up to encourage other people. Because also there's a difference Mm -hmm. between sport and movement. Yeah, and this is a big thing that we've been doing recently. Is you know trying to get people into more natural movement. You know you don't have to lift weights. That's a specific thing. You don't have to cycle. That's a specific thing. You do probably have to move. You know that's a bit like brushing your teeth. As in you probably should do some movement. You'll feel better for it. But there's loads of things you can do. You know you can go climb trees outside. You can go hiking. You can play badminton. You can play football. You can do whatever you like. And I think that. That would be better if they if they open up, you know, movement in schools rather than sport. I mean, not everyone likes sport. Not everyone likes every sport. Mm. And also there's the label, isn't there? Because there's fitness, there's health. And when you say movement, it feels a little bit less intimidating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people really, for health purposes, you can probably just walk, you know. Like most dog owners are pretty healthy. They get out, you know, the, the body responds to walking really well. Um. You know, you probably there's some other things if you want to be optimal where you could add in more variety. But that's just moving. You know, sitting for long periods of time doesn't do well for, you know, joints, muscles. In reality, the the body is a pump system. It it works because the heart pumps blood around, and you know, that helps everything work. So the the better your pump system works on a mm-hmm. very fundamental level, uh, the better you'll feel. So as long as you do something to kind of get it pumping and you 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 know the more variety you can add into joints and muscles usually the better they are but yeah no that doesn't have to i think when you're that would be a better lesson for you know 11 year olds rather than being put in a rugby shirt and having someone clatter into them if they don't really fancy it i did i loved it i mean i went to a school based on the fact that they played rugby and i was like that's brilliant they had a rugby tour i didn't even play the sport yet but i just wanted to do it because it looked fun um and then if you hate it you might be put off for life yeah but if you're not yeah so if if you're you know, you're not really into movement. You know, they're saying it's good for you, but I'm not sure. And then you turn up, you haven't forgotten, you've, you have not, haven't got the right kit, you're made to do it in your pants, you're late, so they make you do push-ups, and then someone rugby tackles you. Uh, you probably turn off it straight away. Mm, it's like a punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, the, yeah, using push-ups that way, you know, using any exercise that way. Uh, you know, probably if someone forgets to do the chores at home and have to do maths equations because of it, they'll probably end up hating maths. It, you know, it's a punishment. It's, it, so I don't think it's a great way to encourage kids but as i said if for me it wasn't really a problem i was just uh into it all the time um then as i got into my teens i kind of started to do more exercise to supplement the sport because you start getting more into it and you realize that you know footballers go to the gym rugby players go to the gym boxers go to the gym 
okay, cool. What do they do? And start doing push-ups and all these other things. And then probably when I went to university was when I really got into like fitness kind of weights, gym training, um, along with boxing. And that's where I met Ross. And so we got really into boxing, really into gym training. Um, didn't really, I mean, we were both doing sport degrees at uni, um, but didn't really know what we were going to do with it. And as it kind of got towards the end, we enjoyed being in the gym. We enjoyed, you know, working out what works best, coaching each other, offering other people so you didn't tips. didn't have a life goal at that point to like be a doctor or something? No, my, my literal aim or of going to uni was to put off going to work. It just seemed like a good, like it just seemed fun. It just seemed like I could, you know, carry on learning about sport and you know playing sport and doing other things so I was just trying to put off that life decision as long as I mm-hmm. I possibly could and, and I mean to be honest I could I did some business stuff at uh, university which is you know proved quite helpful running your own business but in reality qualification wise I could be doing this without having gone to uni I think it was a good life experience and I met Ross so you know it's definitely a big part of what put me on this path but uh, at the point of um choosing to go to uni it's probably more procrastinating choosing what to do with life uh, more than knowing what I wanted to do and having to have a degree mm-hmm. just... also how did you feel about um, being good at sport yourself and wanting to do a lot of stuff for your own self and your own body to then teaching it to other people because there's definitely it takes a certain type of someone to do it for others I think and a lot of people get into the fitness industry thinking I love keeping fit myself I'll become a personal trainer not realizing that if you're packed full of clients you're just standing there training them and you're not training yourself it's so true it's so true and I think that I did get into it because I just liked it myself I think it was kind of cool that we'd already like my memory of it at uni is that like we were starting to offer advice and we were definitely coaching each other um, which I think was cool but I definitely accidentally fell in love with coaching people more than I realized I was going to why is that I don't know. I, th- I I think I just fell in love with the idea of helping people. I think I've always quite liked. I mean, even that's slightly selfish, isn't it? Because it gives you a warm, like fuzzy feeling that mm-hmm. you've helped someone. But certainly, the more I help people, and the more they'd come back and say, you know, and it was that actually is kind of the reason we got into what we're doing because I started to like the little things. When someone came back and said, "Do you know what? I can pick up." They might have been training for a marathon, but they came back and said, "Do you know what? I I can pick up my son now and put him over my head and put him on my shoulders and all around, and there's no pain." And the, the look on their face was fantastic, as if I'd open up a whole doorway for them. And it wasn't, that, it wasn't particularly that complicated. It was just the right things for the right person. Mm-hmm. And that really that, that makes me feel brilliant about myself. You know, there's another lady I've worked with in her 60s, and she can, you know, she's on her own, and she gets massive fun and enjoyment out of gardening. It passes the days, you know, makes her, her life feel more worthwhile. And that was something that was being taken away from her, and we've been able to, you know, give that back to her. By giving her more mobility, more strength, she feels better, and that's wonderful. So, and so selfishly, I enjoy that feeling of others being happy. And but I didn't know I was going to enjoy that that much. Mm-hmm. What about Ross? Yeah, I think the same thing. I think he, you know, I, I don't think you can be in it. I mean, we've been doing it for just. Over, that you stay in it unless you. Yeah, I mean, we've been. No, we've just been doing this over, near enough over ten years now, and I don't. Um, I don't think you could if you didn't enjoy. Um, helping people i think ross especially also likes problem solving so i think he really enjoys kind of the almost the black and white of right okay they want this this is in the way how do we how do you do it how does it work give an example well as in like if someone comes in so ross is really into um rock climbing and bouldering especially if you know what bouldering is it's like like rock climbing but without the ropes and so he started to work a lot with that audience 
Because I think in the, the rock climbing bouldering world, there's not necessarily a lot known about biomechanics. It's still a little bit, you know, you turn up, you do some shoulder circles um, and, and start to climb. Um, and so there are a lot of people with very banged up shoulders and stuff. So, you know, he would like to look at the problem, you know, so-and-so has only got so much time. They want to be climbing this level. They're at this level. You know, what is going on with their shoulder? And by assessing it and breaking it down, you know, that won't work. You know, if their shoulder's showing certain things, these exercises won't work or these stretches won't work, but this will. This is the answer. And you kind of go with that. And also, you know, people don't necessarily have... You could come up with the perfect plan, but it could be, you know, two hours long. You can't do that. So how do you how do you get it to five and it's mm. ten minutes? Just little things that they and can do. It's got to work for the average person. Yeah, yeah. And they've only got this athlete. kit. They've only got... Yeah, and also, you know, a lot of people... And I mean this in the nicest way, but a lot of people don't care. You know, a lot of people don't want... To, they just want to climb. They just want to to swim or, or run. They don't necessarily want to, you know, strengthen their rotator cuff or do some thoracic rotation. So you've got to keep it minimal enough that people will do it and then hopefully they fall in love with it because, it, you know, actually I feel much better. So mm. now it's worth doing. But it's great having a purpose though, isn't it? So actually being in the gym, knowing that I'm doing this particular exercise because it helps with the sport that I want to do yeah. rather than I'm just doing it why am I even doing it? Because the guy last week showed me it was a good exercise. Yeah, and that's why we try to get people to buy in. Like, I'm a big believer in kind of explaining what it is that something's doing, why you would do it, when you wouldn't do it. You know, our, our goal really when we, and it's funny because we work with people for years and years, but really our goal is to kind of get people within, you know, six, maybe 12 months if it's something complicated to the point where they could take care of themselves. You don't want someone to become dependent on you. And a lot of that is getting them to buy into why why are you doing this and i think that you know people always ask about motivation how do you stay motivated like, you, you have to have a why or you well i guess it's always a why. i was going to say or you have to love it but that would be a why wouldn't it so i think yeah. you always have to have i think if something i mean even and i always you know harp on about cleaning your teeth but even if the why is just to prevent your teeth falling out mm-hmm. you probably should clean your teeth yeah and that, but, but that's a strong enough why for most people right i don't know too many people um that don't clean their teeth regularly. Mm. And it, I don't think anyone does it because they love... I mean, probably someone does. Someone loves the feeling of it and stuff. But most of us, I do it because I really don't want fillings and I don't want, you know, mm-hmm. a gummy smile by the time I'm 50. Note, though, we do have a break coming up right now. Um, but I'd love to come back to talk to you about the why. And I can share with you some of my NLP training on that as well. Yeah, let's do so it. So please stay tuned to 91.8 Haze FM. We'll be right back after this break. Love Haze FM, we all love our new mobile app. Listen on the move and catch your favourite presenters. Message the studio, request tracks and keep up to date with the newsfeed. It's available to download for free from either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Haze FM. Which sound do you prefer? This one? Or this one? More and more children are getting measles. It's highly infectious and can be very serious. But the safest way to guard against it is with two doses of the MMR vaccine. It's never too late to protect your child. So for more details about how the MMR vaccine can stop this... ..becoming this... ..contact your GP or visit nhs.uk slash MMR. Advertising on 91.8 Hayes FM could be the most cost-effective way to reach thousands of listeners every day. We can offer spot advertising or show sponsorship. So why not get your local radio station working for your business? Call a helpful team on 0208 099 2226 
or email office at hazefm.org. Have you seen that change for life? It's all about small changes we can do to make us healthier. Whether you and your family want to cut back fat, watch the salt, make sugar swaps, get your five a day or be more active, Change for Life has something for you. To find loads of easy everyday ideas, just search online for Change for Life. Now. Playing the biggest hits of all time. Respect music. The sound of Great West London. 91.8 Hayes FM. Hello, welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM, the Weishi Radio Show. I'm Nicola Chan and this is Matt Lovett from APS Fitness in the hot seat. Hi. So just before the advert there, we were talking about your big why. And whenever somebody says that to me, it just reminds me of my NLP training. And I always think of it like um, layer cake. You know the the video layer cake? Mm -hmm. I say video. (laughs) Back then when that movie was out, I had it as a video. (laughs) So I'm just thinking of the cover and the big cake on the front. And whenever I think I of that. why, there's like uh, layers to the why, uh-huh. like the, the cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that it's got anything to do with cake, but it's just funny. Um, and so we're, in NLP, we have like the seven layers. And okay. you ask somebody at least seven times, why do you want that? Yeah, okay, So you yeah. say, oh, I want to, to lift a certain weight, but why do you want that? Yes. And you might think it's just the first why, but then there's another one, and then there's another one. And why that? Mm -hmm. And then why that? (laughs) And that's when you get right down into the subconscious. So you're probably not even aware of it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, and I think most of us, I would probably argue that I'm, I could probably go four, five deep. And then I might still, there's still some. So what I would Mm -hmm. claim to be my whys probably aren't still um, deep enough. But yeah, we definitely do a similar process with people, like just getting to the bottom of, you know, I don't, I've not got like a number. I don't do it that kind of way but it'd be interesting to speak to you more about as to whether that number's sort of crucial yeah i can definitely dig into your brain in the break yeah yeah <laughs> let's find out your big why then we can share it if you want <laughs> sure yeah we can try it um but yeah you definitely i usually dig until i've got like a what feels like a substantial answer do you know something mm-hmm. that you can anchor think okay i can use that yeah because um, that's the bit that's going to keep you going yes. when you don't have motivation Yes. Like the motivation is, is false as far as I'm concerned to do with your why because you don't need motivation then. If if your big why is so that you can play with your kids, you know, or, or so you can live longer to spend more time with your family, then that, that's your emotional why. So yeah. on the days you don't want to do it, you, you don't want to let your family down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the thing, the, the trouble with health and fitness sometimes is it falls into the category of a lot of things is there's a lot of things in health fitness people that people want. You know, why wouldn't people want to be a bit stronger want a six pack want to be slim but that's the same as you know i you know wanting more money want you you take it if you could but a, a deep why is something that actually drives you like do you really want it like do you want it enough to sacrifice things to go and get it i mean most people would want to be world champion at something for the you know the prestige the the press the, the fame the fortune but you've got to sacrifice a lot to get that mm. so there's a difference between you know wanting something well yeah I'd, I'd kind of, and people might want it for a little bit and then really desiring something really kind of having an aspiration for for things and i think it's also handy to have a few and i don't know if they do this in nlp but having a few over different times so the kind of my why one of my underlying whys that i train myself is to be healthy and live as long as i can but i also have short-term whys that kind of conflict with that but if I don't have that underlying one, which I didn't for years, I would bang myself up and get really beat up and stuff. So I like to have a few, you know. So you have to remind yourself. Well, I, of 
your feet on the ground. Yeah, I have to have a why as to, you know, why would I take my foot off the gas? Mm-hmm. Why would it? And, and and to be fair, you could just have supporting why. I mean, if you're wise to be, I train because I want to be the best kayaker I can be, you should still take the foot off the gas because you can't become the best kayaker if you're injured. You can't be the best kayaker if you're too tired. So you still have to balance it out. But sometimes, you know, especially for the, especially for the average person, you just have to balance their, their fitness why, I guess, with some other whys. You know, do you want to, you know, you want to be slim, you want to be fit and healthy and stuff, but you want to have energy for your kids or for your job and stuff, right? Otherwise, you, you know, start training all the time, don't know when to rest, get ill. So you have to have some balances, maybe. Mm-hmm. And also, um, sometimes if you know that you're that type of person, to then maybe hand it over to somebody else, to, like a coach. Because I know for myself as well, I can program for everybody else, but programming for myself, I don't want to take that rest day. It, it was, mm-hmm. It's still in my mindset to just keep pushing on. So if somebody's told me, this is the plan, you're training three days, the other days you're resting or whatever, I know that that's the plan. I'm going to stick to it. Just trust the process. But if I was doing it for myself, because how I feel on a day-to-day basis might be different, I might be like, oh, today, and then just make excuses for that day. Absolutely. Do more. Whereas, obviously, some people, on the other hand, might make excuses that day to do less. But whatever it is, it's, it's those excuses that get in. Whereas if you have a coach, you're accountable to them. So you're more likely to have a proper plan. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think also that you, it's hard to see yourself through neutral eyes. So you need someone to like, it's hard to know whether, how tired we are sometimes. Mm. You know, am I just moaning? Am I just feeling? Yeah, am I being lazy? Am I being lazy and stuff? <laughs> and it, I think if you're a successful person, you often have that drive of like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. And sometimes it takes that person of like, you're not though, are mm. you? Like you, you, are, and that's why I mean, when I'm managing myself and if you are someone that's managing themselves, I try to have some little assessments that I can do that are almost black and white that will monitor me. So I might have warm-ups that I do, and if I'm doing worse than the normal, then my nervous system is cooked. The test says I should rest. Okay, that's interesting. So it's handy to have, and I have like some energy, unfortunately, I think we spoke about this last time, like I would love people to have like an energy health marker on their body so you can just look at them like, oh, well, you're 50% health today, so no training for you. Mm, in the future. Yeah, maybe at some <laughs> There's point. There's probably an app. There'll probably be an app. I mean, they do do things with heart rate and stuff like that where you can start to monitor it, but mm-hmm. just things like, you know, energy, pain, uh, sleep, digestion, skin, uh, libido is a good one. Like if those things are different for you so you know if your sex drive is tanked if your skin is playing up if that old injury is coming back you're not sleeping very well they're all fairly black and white markers of your nervous system is struggling mm-hmm. so I what I've stopped trying to do is argue with that so I've got you know how I feel I'm sure I'll be alright but if all those markers and then I go and do my warm up and it's really shabby you know at this point it's time to walk away because my I guess my because I don't always have a coach with me my little assessments become my coach so mm-hmm. that's my kind of way of okay this is it's time to walk away but it's definitely handy you know to see coaches and stuff as much as you can but you you know you have to have a self-monitor and, and i think being as well that's being in tune with your body as well though isn't it yeah yeah and, and also being honest you know the, there are as you said there are days when you know you just don't feel like it and don't want to get out of bed but i definitely can and there are days when you are you know you've overcooked it and you're mm. tired you need a rest and, and working out because, I mean, that's the problem is, is if you've played sport, you know that there are times when your body wants to quit or your mind is saying quit rather, and, you know, you can push on. So it's working out when... It's difficult, isn't it? Finding yeah, that line when, and when do you push, when do you not? Knowing which what, voice is talking. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that's um, but that comes back to your why as well i mean if you're a, a professional athlete mm. there may be that push maybe that you know that fine line is a good place to be if you're someone just trying to stay healthy and stuff you know maybe ease off for that day you don't need to why push it that hard and also which voices are your own yeah. and which is society saying you're lazy if you rest today yeah, yeah. yeah. All the memes that you get out there, like you should feel bad for eating certain foods and you must train it off and all of these things. Yeah, yeah. Like, like quitting's a terrible thing and you should never stop and come on one more rep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, rest when you're dead and all these things. You know, they're wonderful slogans. Although I do say I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. One. The trouble is, it might come quicker than you want. Yeah. On that note, it is time for a break, but we will come back because I do, I actually like the, the mind body connection. There's a lot more that we can elaborate on that as well. And if anyone has any questions, please get onto our Facebook Live on Hayes FM. Uh, we'll be right back. 91.8 Hayes FM. Local news update. With news from around northwest London, I'm Xavier Aurora. Lingham Libraries are to host healthy heart activities from February. This series of events is to be held at libraries across the borough, supporting residents of all ages with regard to their health and well-being. Libraries will be holding mindful sessions, including an introduction to Ayurvedic practices, a form of Indian alternative medicine, including meditation classes and an aromatherapy taster session. In addition, health checks, feel-good film screenings, various talks, coffee mornings and racing on smoothie bikes, specially adapted bicycles that blend smoothies while the users pedal. Councillor Jane Palmer said, I hope residents will come along to one of our libraries to try something new, have fun and make the most of the advice and support available. It only takes small changes to your lifestyle to make a big difference to your health. Hillingdon Council is working with Trinity Homeless Project to once again provide a winter night shelter to vulnerable residents. The temporary shelter will operate until Monday the 2nd of March. The shelter will offer accommodation, food and housing support for up to eight homeless men and women. 2020 is the 14th consecutive year that the council has run its winter night shelter as part of an all-year-round approach to support rough sleepers in Hillingdon. The shelter has been successful in resettling people into long-term accommodation together with supporting people into work and training, working alongside staff from Thames Reach, Trinity Homeless Project and Heathrow Travel Care. The council has asked that if you see anyone sleeping rough and you'd like to help, visit www.streetlink.org.uk providing as much detail as you can about the person and their location. If the person is in immediate danger or needs medical assistance, please dial 999. A total of 96 young people from across Ealing received the Jack Petchley Foundation Achievement Awards at the Greenford Assembly Hall. Ealing has received £770,224 from the Jack Petchley Foundation since it started in 2006. The event honoured winners aged 11 to 25 who received medals to go with their framed certificates and a cheque for £250 each. In addition, six adults also celebrated with leader awards. And finally, a driver was taken to hospital as a precaution after a van overturned in Hayes. The vehicle was left on its side in Lansbury Drive at its junction with Fairhome Crescent after crashing at around 2.10pm on Tuesday, January the 21st. Officers from the Metropolitan Police and Paramedics from the London Ambulance Service were called and the road remains closed. That's your 
local news. Working together with local papers. The Gazette, The Times, The Leader, The Chronicles and The Heathrow Villager. Hayes FM. What's on where you live? Here are your local events, read by Gowan Clues. Great Theatre this week, 4th to the 8th of February, the Crusters present Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, adapted by Simon Reed. In a time when first impressions mean everything, Pride and Prejudice battle against love and longing in this classic period drama at the Playhouse of the Crusters Theatre, 12 Mattock Lane in Ealing. Sits the 8th of February plus a Saturday matinee, St Lawrence Players present The Wind in the Willows by Alan Bennett, adapted from the book by Kenneth Graham. Join all your favourite characters for a delightful jaunt along the riverbank. Suitable for the whole family, but recommended for ages 8 years and up. At St Lawrence Church Hall, 2 Bridal Road in Eastcote. 7th to the 15th of February, with a Sunday matinee, the Questers present Things I Know to be True by Andrew Bovell. Love, Secrets, Heartbreak, What Are Families For? Touching yet tragic, this journey through upbringing and identity shows four young people at odds with their parents' expectations. It's at the studio of the Questers Theatre, 12 Mattock Lane in Ealing. Monday 10th of February at 7.45pm, Q Extra presents Power Play, an evening of new writing. In a time where those in power face condemnation, how can we seize control? It's at the studio at the Questers Theatre, 12 Mattock Lane in Ealing. All events are on North Oak Local at northoaklocal.co.uk and there's a What's On Guide to Hayes and local areas every Monday and Tuesday at 3pm. More events in an hour. What's on where you live? 91.8 Hayes FM Hello and welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM, the Weishi Radio Show. I'm Nicola Chan and in the hot seat is... Matt Lovett. I'm going like this with my arms. You can't hear, see on the radio, but we're on Facebook Live as well, so we can make hand gestures <laughs> and people can see us live on the Facebook. So if you are on Facebook, if you're at home, if you're not driving, um, get online. Facebook, Hayes FM, and you'll see us live on the video. Um, you can also interact with us. So if you do want to make any questions or comments, you can do that, and then we can answer them live on air. So we were talking just in the advert there about mindset we went through the big whys and um we're talking about the mind body connection and sometimes your mind getting in the way and finding the balance of am i being lazy or should i push on a little bit harder and i also i was mentioning to matt just off air how i also feel like that with just my mindset in terms of everything like i have little red flags that tell me that maybe i'm not doing enough self-care so it could be that I'm focusing on body image too much. It could be that I've started counting my calories or I really feel like I want to weigh myself. And these are things that I don't do anymore. I just know that they're not healthy for me. Like they might be all right for somebody else, but for me personally, I don't do them and I don't promote those activities. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know that when they pop up, it's just because I'm not looking after myself in another way. Yeah, that's, well, that's great. I think it's um, really handy to have little red flags that, you know, each person, you know that it's a sign of maybe... You know, slightly destructive or just not constructive um, 
behaving for you. And, and you know, this is the problem with health and fitness coaching is there's so much going on. Um, you know, there are certain injuries and stuff that, you know, it's not necessarily injured. There's not necessarily any structural damage there. You know, maybe the the body's had a bad experience through an injury and now it's it's just decided that that movement equals pain. And so, you, you know, sometimes you just have to give people good movement experiences to get the brain to actually realize, oh, it's not as panicky as I thought and stuff. And it's the same with, with food. If people have bad food experiences and stuff coming into coaching, you can't be as, it can't be as black and white as, well, you know, you do this, you need this many calories, you need to eat this type of food. Mm-hmm. You know, people have their own experiences, people have their own preferences now, especially with with food, the way they want to eat and stuff. So it, there's a lot to consider. Mm-hmm. Food can be like an anchor as well, actually, because I, I can remember some hideous diets and certain foods just remind me of that diet. So although I kind of just eat a bit of everything, um, there's still some things that I just wouldn't really want to, like like vacuum-packed broccoli <laughs> 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 from those companies that send you all, all their healthy food. Um, it's just horrendous, like the smell of it. I was going to say, just, does that stink when you're yeah. over it? Yeah. I, I don't know does. what it is. It's just, oh, I just couldn't eat that again. Like, I love broccoli, but I'd like fresh broccoli, not vacuum-packed. <laughs> you don't want the smell trapped in. Yeah, there. just yeah. something about it. And it just reminds me of a time in my life that I didn't like myself very much. And my main focus was just to change myself, my aesthetics. Yeah, I mean, we have the same thing, like I was saying earlier. Like, I've I've had the same thing with people with push-ups, where they would, you know, it was a punishment thing. They they come mm. in and maybe they're, they're not, they want to do healthy fitness. They haven't done that much. And one of the first things they say is, I'm not doing push-ups. Oh, and you okay? I mean, that's okay. I mean, we don't need to do push-ups, so that's okay. But that's also but, a way of teaching children, isn't it? That pun- that exercise is a punishment, yeah, rather than a joy and fun and yeah. I, I think it's. I mean, I think if you had like adults and it's you know you've got a, a semi-professional boxing club and stuff like that, and there's a little punishment for people being late. So I think that's okay. I, I can kind of understand. You know, they're all grown-ups. They know why they're being punished i guess it's like putting money in a jar if you're late or you know you do a wrong habit but i think you have to be careful with kids because it's going to imprint on their you know and especially if it's their first contact with it yeah it's okay to know that an exercise is you know really cool and it it works really well and it just happens to be being used in this instance as you know a penalty but i don't think that's what you want the first experience with someone to be um, so yeah, you have all sorts of things. I mean, I think, as you say, like there are certain exercises that I used to do that remind me of a certain stage of things, or I think I don't want to do that anymore. I think what's interesting with movement as well is when comparing it to food is food is starting to be accepted. Um, that you know, there's loads of different solutions for different people. You know, it's okay to be vegetarian if that suits your mindset. Same with vegan. It's okay to, you know, eat six meals a day, fasting. There's loads of different options, and I think that. It, is slightly going into the movement world um but i think for a long time that was a pre-packaged idea of what you had to do you had to do cardio you had to do this body part you had to do mm-hmm. this should we come back to talk about food yeah have a little break now i know that was a short one. Oh, sure <laughs> we yeah. have a lot longer and there's a lot more we can cover on the topic of food so if you've got any food questions get them in 91.8 haze fm we'll be right back advertising on 91.8 haze fm be the most cost-effective way to reach thousands of listeners every day. We can offer spot advertising or show sponsorship. So why not get your local radio station working for your business? Call a helpful team on 0208 099 or email office at hazefm.org. Change for Life is all about how we can make changes to live healthier lives, like just being a bit more active every day. Leaving the bus a stop early and walking the rest of the way, or taking the stairs rather than the lift, all make a difference. 
Getting the heart working helps reduce our chance of a stroke or heart disease. For more ideas to get going every day, search online for Change for Life now. Love Haze FM, we all love our new mobile app. Listen on the move and catch your favourite presenters. Message the studio, request tracks and keep up to date with the newsfeed. It's available to download for free from either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Haze FM. I'm Huey Dixon from Hayes FM and Uxbridge Gazette. And I'm Claire Barrett, founder of UGigs. And we'd like to tell you about an opportunity opening up in Hamwell for performance artists. Start on Wednesday the 6th of March and the first Wednesday of every month from then on, Lavin's Live begins. Hosted by Lavin's Bar, 97 Uxbridge Road, W7 3ST. If you'd like to perform at Lavin's Live, they're looking to showcase singers, musicians, comedians and magicians. We'll be streaming live on Facebook, so follow us at Lavin's Live for more information. Round the corner from where you live. So local, we can see you. 91.8 Hayes FM. Uh, welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM. So that was just a short break there. And now we are here until 2 o'clock and then until 3 o'clock. <laughs> but until 2 o'clock for the next break. So we can talk about nutrition as we were just diving into the topic there before the break. Uh, where were we? We were talking about um, different types of nutrition. And the fact that, that, and I was saying that movement is kind of becoming similar now, that it's becoming okay to, you know, to slightly diversify. Um, so there's lots of different eating strategies for people and there should be loads of different movement strategies for for people too. It should be okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And you were talking about veganism and vegetarian and, and all of these different ways of eating. And then I can share with you my, my opinion on these as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, go ahead. Uh, well, you go first. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I th- my opinion on eating is that there are probably science, you know, there are scientific things of how much stuff, you know, you need you need vitamins you need minerals we need some protein we need some energy um and i think that so with vegetarianism which i have some experience with because my wife is vegetarian um and quite a few clients are vegetarian and stuff like that so you i have absolutely no problem with with that with people's choice of being vegetarian but straight off the bat you are moving away from food sources that provide you with protein and especially b12 and usually, when you face the fact that that's happened, and you 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 know you don't have to have it from meat sources, but you should have protein, and you get someone to introduce you know the right level of protein, the right level of B twelve into the diet, especially with vegetarians, their energy shoots up. Mm-hmm. How do you get B twelve into your diet then without meat sources? You usually, have to go supplement. Um, if I found with well, then wouldn't that show you that your body does need it, and therefore maybe we are carnivores. Oh, we might this, start this, to break down. Oh, <laughs> I, I we'll mean, suddenly get loads of comments coming. I, 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 I don't. I, I think the problem with a lot of these things is when we, because I mean, there's always that argument of like, you know, what do what we meant to do. I think the trouble is there's a huge difference between survival and optimal. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can definitely. I mean, if you were because we, I don't think we would perish if we lived places where there wasn't meat sources. You would survive. And there are plenty of, you know, I guess tribes and people around the world that don't eat a lot of uh, meat and they probably are what we would call deficient in protein. Um, And they're fine. But 
whether it's optimal or not, I don't know. I mean, I guess caveman had a much lower average life expectancy than we have now, right? And also, you, you people want to play in badminton leagues and look after kids and work till 7 o'clock at night. So, you know, when you're feeling a bit low on energy because you haven't had protein for a few days, I guess if you're in the tribe, you can just sit and have a nap and just rest for a couple of days. But if mm-hmm. life goes on, maybe you have to be a little bit more stringent. That amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need some B12. Um but yeah, do you see what I mean? I, I think that, so I think that there's, when we talk about, you know, you need protein, you need B12, it probably has to be framed in the sense that if you want to be active, if you want to be um, doing certain things, you probably need a certain level of fuel. I actually just found it myself recently. I was really suffering a lot with, and again, one of those things that you don't notice that you are, you're just, you know, pushing through, carrying on. But I was suffering a lot with kind of fatigue and uh, brain fog a lot. And I was looking into my nutrition and, and about things I know and stuff, and I started to, to track it a little bit more, which isn't for everyone, um, as we, you know, we've talked about, but it just it, it helped me see it through a coach's eyes almost. Like, mm-hmm. what am I actually doing? There's what I think I'm doing, and then there's what I'm actually doing. And I think I'd got myself into a mindset of, you know, most people probably overindulge in carbs. That's probably a, a kind of a natural thought. And I just wasn't having enough. And, I, like, and so I started to... Um, eat more and put more back in which seemed like a lot of food but i do a lot more exercise stuff than the average person mm-hmm. and i feel well more. this is the the voice of society isn't it right. that, oh that's too much that's not a portion for a man you should eat x number of calories but obviously you're for you yourself your body is going to be different to yeah and i just needed much more different. fuel and i feel way better mm. um especially from a brain fog um point of view so i think that it's really important to you know try to realize that there are some no, there are probably some scientific principles that are harder to to get around, like having an adequate amount of you know protein, vegetables, things like that. Mm, well, that's the thing about carbohydrates. You're saying about the brain fog. Your brain only uses carbohydrates, doesn't it, as an energy source? So, and our brain regulates everything else. So, we should really be looking after our brain and giving it the fuel that Absolutely. it needs. Absolutely. And I think I think sometimes with nutrition, I don't know if you found it that people get into a mindset that every food is just a token. It doesn't like as long as I have a certain amount of tokens. Doesn't matter where, what group, where from, I've eaten enough. But each food group does something different. So if you're getting all your food tokens from proteins, mm. you're going to miss out. And so, and that's, well, that's the, the idea. Thing that some diets teach you, isn't it, that you have a certain number of calories, so they're your tokens. And then they they say, well, you could just go and eat a load of chocolate for that amount of tokens, and then. You're going to be undernourished with everything else, but you've had your amount of tokens for the uh-huh. day, and then yeah, you can't that, eat anything else. I guess that's where a lot, maybe a lot of it comes from. Mm. Um, and Another reason diets are bad. <laughs> well, I mean, and the thing is, is, and the trouble is, is there's things that suit everyone as well, because we're not talking about, you know, we've talked about lifestyle differences, but we aren't talking about just genetic differences. So I'm sure there are people, you know, there's the carnivore diet now, where people are just eating, they've gone the other way, they're just eating meat and people are apparently having wonderful results on it good 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 luck i mean that's fantastic i i and and the same with with vegan and everything else Uh, i think one of the things to be aware of that i'd like to share with anyone um that's doing these things is usually when you start because because a lot of diets share the same thing right They're, they're all promoting like vegetarian and carnivore for instance i bet you that the people that do it start to eat good versions of those things i bet they're not throwing down chicken nuggets and you know old vegetables i bet the vegetarians are eating fairly fresh vegetables i bet mm-hmm. the carnivores so th- that's a good source of food right so that's good but if you're that interested in a diet you've probably cut out 
sugar and other things. And if you're only eating, you know, I get vegetarians have access to, to carbs, but especially if you're only eating meat, okay, well, carb sources and sugar are out then, so the bad stuff is down. So for a while, you often feel really good because you've, you've you know, got a good source of level of protein if you're a carnivore diet person. If you're a vegetarian, you've got loads of vegetables going into the system where maybe you didn't before. And you've got rid of some of the you know, negative stuff. And what tends to happen after a while is the imbalance because say vegetarians are missing protein or maybe you know carnivores are missing vitamins and minerals that will come from certain vegetables and i'm you know i'm not an expert on these things so maybe i'm butchering maybe they can have some vegetables and stuff but usually then they start to dip off and they don't laugh they come back to a more balanced mm. way of eating because they'll be well, there'll be a con with it at some point I mean, we were talking before about the mind-body connection. I feel that anybody who eats off of a plan then loses the mind-body connection and then they're not intuitive with themselves anymore. And actually, if you are an intuitive eater, if you listen to your body, you will crave foods that have got more nutrition in them that are more nourishing for your body. When you exercise, you need a bit more nourishment, you'll be a bit more hungry and you'll reach for the things that that are going to nourish you. But then also you may reach for something that's, that's going to fill you up emotionally. You know, there's a many, many reasons why we eat food. And I feel that when you get into a diet plan and you're just losing that disconnection with your body, you also then have emotions added to it, like shame and guilt, like those are bad foods. So yeah, now you're like a bad person because you had that. Like the whole eating clean mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, I, I think that... You Again, know. that voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, who knows where these thoughts are coming from? Is it the media that are doing it? Is it your next door neighbour that's throwing out slogans? Where are these ideas that you've got coming from? And you know, who said that the the odd, you know, emotional eating? It's okay to play a sad song or to play an upbeat song to pull yourself out of things, right? So why would it not be okay? That you've had a really you know rubbish day, not to have some ice cream if you always have to do it then you have to reach for that behavior. You're like, why? I mean, if you're having ice cream every day because you're sad, then you should probably get to the bottom of why you're sad at the end of every day and having to reach for ice cream. Is there more constructive ways we could do it? But if once in a blue moon you have a sad day and a bit of ice cream will cheer you up, a bit like, you know, your favorite song will, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. I mean, we all often talk in a movement sense of, you know, going out for a long run or, you know, hitting the heavy bag to let out some steam, some aggression. I don't see why the odd thing as long as you're in control of it mm. if it controls you if you have same with that you wouldn't want to do that every day no exactly yeah if, if you're having to hit the heavy bag every day because mm. you're frustrated and annoyed you should probably get to the bottom of why rather than relying on mm. that and that would be exactly the same i have the exact same argument with um paracetamol and stuff and ibuprofen if you if you're it's it's a, it's a if you've got you know a headache and you've got a radio show to come and do or you've got a big interview and you don't usually get headaches, but it's really going to affect your performance. I'd probably take an ibuprofen. But if you're always taking ibuprofen, if you have a headache every day, and you, then why? Why? What? What's causing it? Because the ibuprofen, you're just masking over the symptoms, and that would be the same as indulging in ice cream or hitting heavy back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we should make those behaviours bad. It's like when people get so into their eating, they won't, you know, have a glass of champagne to celebrate or you know, a bit of cake on a birthday and if you really don't want those things don't don't let society make you either those they are celebratory things you know we do eat and drink for emotions it's just normal it's human behavior but if you're told that it's bad then or you shouldn't eat unless you're hungry then you might not be hungry on your birthday after you've just had a nice meal to have a bit of birthday cake yeah yeah you i mean i guess we get back to you know the why and doing what is right for you if it's i mean i've been at things where i've been 
uh, doing something athletic the next day or, you know, competing at something, you know, so I'm not going to, I've been at a wedding or a party or something, I'm not going to drink and eat because I've got a why the next day. Other times, I really enjoy that process. Mm. So I think as long as you're doing it and it's, I mean, I think a lot of the top nutritionists will say, you know, if you're having a bit of cake and you're really in that moment, you're really enjoying it, it's really added to the occasion, you've really enjoyed that moment, all the power to you. But if you just wolfed it down, didn't even notice it, and maybe have another bit and you do that every day, then that's probably a damaging mm. behaviour that should be addressed. But then on the other token to that is if you, if you did just wolf it down because you weren't thinking and you were mindlessly not paying attention to every bite, <laughs> um, then if, you, if society's told you that that's really bad, you might then feel bad about it. And because you've now got guilt about it, you think, oh, well, you know, swear word. I'll have another bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I'll have another bit. And then, so that's actually worse. I mean, to me, I just feel like, you know, relax. <laughs> I f- eat how you feel. If you want a bit of cake, eat the cake. If you want an avocado, have an avocado. Yeah, I, well, you know? I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think. And the stress level as well. If, once you relax with food, your stress goes down, everything becomes better. You're just more natural with food. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think people can be that like that with their their movement as well you know exactly definitely with the movement as well if you you relax sometimes again why you know if you are your if you're a top athlete or you know you're really really wanting to look a certain way for your wedding stuff and you really got why then maybe be be strict with things for a little bit maybe maybe that's a good why for but if you're just looking for health if you're just looking to you know feel a bit better look a little bit better be a bit fitter be people probably don't have to be as intense about it as they are. Um, you know, and of course it suits the fitness industry to make everyone mm. super, ca- <laughs> like really care about it and really get involved and, you know, why are they not doing enough and buy more supplements and buy yeah. more training sessions and stuff. But again, well, again, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you feel you should or are you doing it because it actually helps you and you want to? So how, how do you feel? Because you, you're saying that with such um, confidence and experience, but how have you felt in the industry yourself, being the teacher of all of these people, with also being a human being, doing your own training, your own eating, how has all of these things affected you? I mean, for a good period of time, and even in our case now, you, and I'm sure everyone gets this in their realm, you feel like an imposter. So I've always felt that like, I know, I've always felt like I kind of know what I'm talking about because when I tell people and they do it, it works. So that's cool. But I never feel that like, and especially when I started, you know, I look the part. Or I look like so I've always I was always almost like a bit embarrassed to say that you know I'm a personal trainer or health and fitness coach because I feel like people look at you up they and do. down <laughs> immediately. They definitely do. Um, and you know, say you know, and especially if there were people you didn't know and you were out in the you know you went to a beach, you went to the park, and like, and I'm sure it's nonsense. I'm sure we weren't waiting for you know you to take your top off to see like well, well let's see what the personal trainer looks mm. like. Um, I'm sure again it's all in the the mind, but certainly there's been times where. You know, I felt that I had to be, you know, look the best shape, lift the most weights, run the fastest out of the clients. Otherwise, why would they want my mm. opinion? But then you realize a lot of great coaches weren't necessarily world champions. They might be very good at their sport, or very, but they weren't necessarily the best. They're just a good coach. You don't have to be the best at something to be a good coach of it, to have a great understanding. Um, so, yeah, I've often suffered with, you know, not feeling like not really sure why do why do people um you know come to me why you know maybe i'm not the best person for this maybe and yeah and certainly with training of food like oh no i had cake 
like that same thing that guilt thing of like oh but mm. you're not meant to or are you meant to or i don't know you and, and there's so many changing things like, are you meant to be vegetarian are you meant to be this are you meant to be that and also you're meant to know everything yeah and there's just so many times people ask me about things especially like classes and stuff um and like, do you know what this is? I think I've never heard of it. I've no idea. Do you find people, because I get this, that people just think like you're a doctor. <laughs> you know everything about yeah. the human body, all of your, not only your injuries, but your illnesses and <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of skin things. diseases, everything. <laughs> yeah, there's often a lot of people coming like, feel this. And you think, well, okay, <laughs> I mean, I can, but I, I, I'm not necessarily sort of my realm of, of diagnosing. I mean, people will uh, lean on you and tell you a bit of everything. Um, and that's what I always have to... And also a bit of counselling. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I got into doing mindset and NLP and hypnotherapy as well, because training people, especially one-to-one, is very personal. You get to know them, you get to hear a lot of their problems, and um, it is a lot like counselling. It is, and, and I'd like to pick your brains more about that, I think, at, at different times. I, I think sometimes I'd like to do that stuff just so I know that I'm not doing damage. It's not necessary. But I think one of the, the best pieces of advice is my coach actually gave me because as we always do, as you were just saying, sometimes you can have a bit of self-doubt in any profession. You're new to it especially and you're thinking, am I good enough? Do I need to be the best? Blah, blah, blah. The same with me in mindset. And I remember saying to my coach, Callum, if he's watching, <laughs> and he said, the best thing you can do is be a lamppost. And he said, even if you were a lamppost and you just listened to them for the whole time and you gave nothing back, you've helped them because they go away going, oh, that was really good. You know, I got it all out. And then they felt great. So if I just, ha- that's my minimal expectations of myself is to be a lamppost. Because sometimes if you are thinking, oh, I must give them something. Yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah. That, that, and then that's you're trying to solve everything and also giving advice, which is one thing you wouldn't really do because you're a facilitator for them to find their own solution. Whereas giving advice is what you do to a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think that's, uh, I think that yeah, is so a, a lamp great post. bit of I will try to do it more. <laughs> I, yeah. The, I think the trouble with being a coach is that it's in me to want to help Find people. a solution. So, and you know, and actually... I, you know, bless her, mum, if you're listening, but mum, my mum was one of the people that, like, taught me early on, and it, but it took me a while to actually realise what she was getting, and was like, I just want you to listen. So she'd come back with a, you know... Is a, that a woman thing? <laughs> a bad day. Well, I think... Hi, it, I think, <laughs> I think it's definitely... I think it can definitely be a more masculine trait to want to fix mm. the situation. You know, you come to me with a problem, I believe what you want me to do is to fix it. Um, Because I guess when... I, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure... There are it crosses between males and females. It's not just a, a man thing, but maybe it's a more masculine thing. But it was definitely a thing for me that if you come to me with a problem, I, I will bend over backwards. I will go really out of my way to try and fix it for you. I don't like the fact that you have a problem. I would just desperately... Back on air, 91.8 Hayes FM. It's the Weishi Radio Show. We were just talking um, off air there about... Um... Listening. Listening, yeah. <laughs> just listening. And Teresa Brown's on Facebook. She says, sometimes people do just want to be listened to, actually, the majority of the time. And we were saying that, yeah. So even just without giving advice to someone, as you're telling someone your issues, you're finding the own answers yourself. And sometimes you just need to, a soundboard or just to be able to say it out loud to actually confirm to yourself, yeah, actually, I do feel like this. Yeah. And I, I really think... need your advice because I'm going to do that thing. <laughs> I think the other thing is that sometimes you, the problem you run into when you're trying to advise people is if you jump in with advice, they are, not only did they not want your advice, but it's almost like you haven't listened to them. You're, you're just trying to, oh, I've got an idea, I've got, I know what to say to them. And actually they, they end up thinking, well, thanks for your advice, but you didn't, I didn't actually even feel listened to in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes jumping in with that advice and stuff, you know, you can tell. You, sometimes you can tell when people are just there waiting to talk. That would be um, a good thing, actually, to do on 
fitness courses, like personal training courses, to teach people how to listen. Yeah. And not actually just wait to, for the space to then come back with something because you have to find a solution because they always come to you with a problem, therefore you have to find a solution. Especially as you're taking money. Oh, they must get their money's worth, so therefore I've got to give the advice. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think there should be, you know, I mean, obviously with personal training courses and fitness courses, you can only cover so much. But no one told me that when I'd start personal training people, that people would break down and cry. I never expected that that to happen, and it happens a lot. Um, and it's, one because it becomes a slightly safe space. Two because when you you know you start exercising and stuff, you know that's why people exercise to sometimes release to, emotions, yeah, it? release emotions. You get ideas, and you know I remember being completely stunned the first time someone broke down. Kind of because it also like when I start, and I guess most um, trainers start with the question of how are you, how's things. Mm. And, you know, you mean a little bit about how the day, but you also mean, yeah. like, how's it gone? How's your training been? How's your knee? But you And and some people don't ever get asked that. So throughout their week, yeah. they haven't been asked. And you ask, how are they? And it's a, such a massive thing. Because that they, that's the thing. You are just, you're there for them, aren't you? Yeah, and, and a lot of some people don't have that a lot. And so you become that person that, you know, actually does care about them. You know, hopefully, if you're a good coach, you do care. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just that level of, care and so if someone's sort of asking how are you how things are going and stuff uh can bring out all sorts of emotions mm. and no one told me or taught me um and my apologies to anyone that i've not done a good job with over the years of, of dealing with it but no one really teaches you um when you first get into first training that that's going to happen or coaching you know you never realize I'm, I'm sure hairdressers are the same no one teaches it maybe they do now but i don't think anyone necessarily teaches hairdressers that you're going to hear a lot of problems you're going to need to do a lot of counselling. Funny you say that, because I was talking to a lady who was a hairdresser um, from the group Happy Days, who are also on Facebook, if anyone wants to check them out. Um, I did some work with them. And Brandon Block, actually, he was on the show, and he, he shared his, his experience and how he started Happy Days. And the lady was actually saying that as a hairdresser, there's something about touching people's heads. Right. So she was like, as a child, that's when like your parents do your hair, and it's quite a, an emotional bonding experience. And she was saying, as adults, people don't touch your head. So just having that connection with someone then makes them be able to open up and oh, then really? the emotions that come out. Yeah, and I never really thought of it like that. I just thought, when I go to the hairdressers, which is hardly ever because I mainly do my own hair, <laughs> <laughs> some self-care I probably should add into my thing, um, my list. But yeah, I just want to get in there and, and not really be spoken to because because of my job and I am talking to people all the time. Maybe then I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to like sit there, get my hair done, and go. It is amazing as a coach how much you kind of. I don't of... like small talk. <laughs> no, no. I think there is a lot of like when you've been, you know, coaching people for five, six, seven, eight hours of talking and hearing your own voice. If you know, just want a bit of peace and quiet, not speaking anymore at the end of the day, which can be difficult, you know, if you're living with people that want to hear and want to chat and stuff. But yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Not no more small talk, please. <laughs> I mean, if, if I went more regularly and I got to know them just like a client does with a trainer, I probably would just start talking about all my problems or all of theirs. And, you know, you just have that kind of um, friendship that you'd build. But, yeah, because I hardly ever go, I don't want to do, like, what's the weather like? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's okay. I guess uh, I guess there are loads of different places that can turn into a safe space, and that's one for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, the gym can be one for, for others. 
So I did want to tell you, actually, we've, we've kind of like dived off the whole uh, plan here, which is great because I, I love it when that happens and it just um, kind of flows naturally. But I did want to ask you actually about your, your own sport and fitness. And you mentioned that you do jujitsu. Yes. And because I, I believe like discipline is such a, a good topic to discuss and discipline to exercise, discipline in life. And I know obviously jujitsu, any martial arts, there's a lot of discipline involved. Uh-huh. Do you want to share your experience on that? Yeah. I mean, you certainly, I mean, I guess the main discipline that you get from from any sport martial arts being a, a really good example is that to get good at it you have to turn up it's the main thing of anything right you have to and i guess that's any pursuit that if you want to be good you have to turn up you have to get out of bed you have to go um and so if that in itself has probably been one of the biggest disciplines for me i think i'm pretty good at if i have a mark in my diary i'm there you know, if, if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I think that, you know, having to turn up to training session after training session um, helps with that. And obviously martial arts is pretty good at making you uncomfortable. You know, if you're going to go do jujitsu where people are lying on top of you and trying to strangle you and trying to extend your arm and other things, you're going to be uncomfortable. And so not quitting when it gets rough, when it gets a bit uncomfortable. But the other thing I like with jujitsu is the idea is to put someone in a situation or you might get into a situation where, you know, your arm is in danger or maybe someone has got hold of your neck, which sounds awful, by the way. But the idea is that you would realize you're in a bad situation, you tap. So you tap them and they let go and it's done. So it almost has taught you to, you know, know when you're beat, know when, you know, enough is enough. And, you know, I can use that sometimes. Sometimes I have to tap out of a you know, an event or a day, I'm just too tired. It's, you know, you've got to look after yourself. And so it's other, like a metaphor for your other training. Exactly. Like, know when it's just, <laughs> yeah, you know when it's time to tap and know when it's just uncomfortable. And, you know, you don't always get it right. Mm. Sometimes you, you leave Instead your arm there Instead of the too- thumbs up button, we should have the double tap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, so it, it, it's taught, you know, again, turning up and kind of learning to be uncomfortable uh, are things that martial arts and especially jiu-jitsu has taught me very well. Do you think that kind of helps with fear then? Because you get like a little bit of fear every time that you then just get used to fear? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I think, I think, um, I mean, I haven't sort of competed loads at things, but I have done, you know, competitions at various sports stuff. I think competing helps with that, you know, getting over the, the fear that you might fail, getting over the fear that you, people are going to, uh, you know, watch you and Is rubber there up. also the fear of getting hurt? And you mentioned earlier, actually, and I did want you to elaborate on that, so maybe we can come back to that, about the fear of old injuries. Sure. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of jiu-jitsu, the fear of getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I I don't know whether... There is definitely that, that fear. I think that you had to get over it eventually. I think that hopefully, if you're training in, you know, martial arts, boxing, jiu-jitsu, you're in a space where I'm fairly confident that someone's not going to um, hurt me on purpose, but obviously things happen um yeah I, I, it's an interesting one I, I don't it's not something that i check each time i go in mm. it's not so if, if i walk through the door more naturally to you because you've always been into fitness there is that yeah I, I think it's a great place to i think it's a great place for people to learn they're not as fragile as they think so uh, there's a lot of people that i know that have turned up to jiu-jitsu you know they're not necessarily rough and tough people not, don't want to tumble around don't want mm-hmm. and i think it's a good especially if you've got a good trainer good training partners that you know aren't gonna break you aren't going to do bad things and you just learn that like well i can get you know a scrape up my face i can i mean i mean fitness teaches you that a little bit doesn't it? like you're not as fragile as you think you are you, you know you can run and your lungs are burning and it's okay you can you keep going a little yeah. bit um and you know you have to balance that line how far do you push is it just uncomfortable is it dangerous 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's certainly I'm certainly less afraid of getting hurt than I was. So I guess it, it does help in terms of, um, as I said, I think it just makes you very comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I'm more comfortable about having uncomfortable conversations or, you know, being somewhere. So know, it is transferable to the rest of your life. Yeah, I think so. I mean, even things. Or do you have to take a moment to remind yourself, I can do this in jiu-jitsu, therefore I can have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you can. That's a handy like to be able to pause and realize that. Well, you know, hang on, we've done this. I'm often trying to get people to realize that you've, even if something's new, you've probably done something very similar before. So like, if you've had a conversation that's gone before and it's gone well, you can probably do it again even if it's in a different realm. So, you know, if I can be uncomfortable... See, without even knowing it, that is an NLP Ah, tool. okay, cool. It's it's your strategy. So you have a strategy for dealing with conflict, for example, that you might be great at work, you might be a HR person, and then you might uh, be really worried about having a confrontation at home. But you have a strategy that you deal with it at work, and it's just using that same strategy right. at home. It's recognising you're, you're successful at doing it in one realm, mm you can take that success and do it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I try to use that with people all the time, you know, if you, because there are so many people that, you know, most people that come to me are successful at something, successfully raise a child, successfully, you know, mm. got a job, successfully even got out of their house and managed to make it to me that day. You know, they're, they're, you're successful at something. They just feel very unsuccessful at health and fitness. And so you can try yeah. to, you know. Well, it's great that you do that then because I can imagine going into a session with you and feeling like I'm rubbish I can't do this. I'm such a beginner. Yeah. And then you're like, well, actually, you're, you're a great mom. You're this. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, they feel topped up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've got to make people feel good. I mean, that's you. That's one of the things about exercise program, isn't it? Is you're going to try and pick things that they'll get wins at. You know, you want it to be challenging. Mm. It's like everything. You know, you want it to be like Goldilocks. You know, not too challenging, not sort of too easy. So they feel like they've worked for it, but they've won. Oh, I can do this. Then the yeah, next the thing, oh, I, I can do this. Yeah, and I think that, yeah. but as you said, it's really, some people aren't very good at, you know, generalizing it all. Mm. So they don't realize that, you know, you know, you've had so many wins and other things. Why could you not do that here? I wonder, actually, because you just reminded me of something. And recently I started aerial silks with my daughter. Okay, I wanted awesome. to do something together. And I've decided now that I just want to focus on her doing it. And I don't want to put any eggs in that basket because I'm focusing on my lifting separately um but I did get to a moment in there where I felt like it's a, a big struggle for me to be a beginner yes <laughs> and yeah. be rubbish at something and feel like a failure and that uncomfortable feeling it was like I don't want to come here anymore yeah. that's not the reason I'm <laughs> I'm aware of it and then I pushed through a few more sessions and I was like oh if I stayed and I can't remember how many hours there's like a certain number of hours isn't there of mastering a, a, a technique um well, you put bit, that many hours like the of 10, training hour into, thing. yeah then you'd be at least good at it so if I stayed I could definitely overcome those initial beginner things and also looking at other people in the group is amazing because there's all different levels so you can see that oh if I did carry on I would be good I would be able to do something yeah um, I mean a lot of it now. but it just reminded me that that is a struggle to to get through that first bit of uncomfortable yes like I'm rubbish at this I'm never going to be any good it and did. I see it in my daughter as well actually where she tried a couple of moves and she couldn't do them and she was like kind of pack it in and then just walk to the other side of the room she's only eight so her attention span's quite short anyway okay and then luckily the teacher saw that gave her something a bit easier something that she could do herself and, and it looks amazing but it's a, an easy thing and she was like wow i can do this and then suddenly her enthusiasm came back yeah we only i mean unless you're 
a complete savage. You, people need little wins. They need to like feel good. Their, their ego needs to be you know pumped up a little bit. Otherwise, it's you know just being rubbish at something and being you know feeling uncomfortable and feeling bad at something all the time. You know most people are gonna are gonna quit. And I think that the feeling like you suck at something is a big turn off factor for a lot of people. Mm. They don't want to go through that. And where I found I don't know if you found this. I found it a lot with people that get injured or come away from health and fitness, and that stops them going back. Because you know, maybe you were lifting a lot of weight. Maybe you were able to run five k in a in a fast time. Maybe you've had an injury, or you just your life got in the way, and they won't go back because they don't want to realize that they can't run five k that quick anymore. They don't want to, you know, do something where they can. They don't f- where they think I used to be able to do this better. They don't want that feeling again. Mm. And it's a so bit- not even comparing themselves to other people is. I used to be able to do this. Yeah. Now I'm rubbish because I can't. Yeah, because also because sometimes when you're a beginner, one of the good things is is that you progress quickly, right? So if you take lifting weights for instance, you go in and you start lifting, and because you haven't uncovered your potential strength yet, you know, one session you're lifting five kilo dumbbells, then ten kilo dumbbells, and you think this is brilliant, and you enjoy that process. But to do it a second time, when you I've already done this, I've lifted them, I've lifted them. If people don't like it, people won't. Um, go back it's really quite difficult for some people mm, that's why it's better to stay <laughs> yeah yeah but and unfortunately with injuries and stuff you don't always have that that um choice but yeah i, I think but again it's trying to mm, but there's you, always something you can do like my partner's injured at the moment and he's doing strongman okay so cool. he's really frustrated that he can't do certain lifts that I are bet. related to strongman but he can do so many other things and I've said to him, maybe if we, and he's also seeing it like this, like the positives of it, that he's actually doing the things that he hated doing before, like some things that are more hit-based and cardio, and he's focusing on them. So he's still able to train, still get the happy hormones, still feel like I've done a good session. And then when he's healed, he can go back to yeah, sports-specific stuff. It's good coaching. Yeah, I think a lot of people will, you know, throw their toys out the pram. Mm. Can't do that thing. Not going to do anything then. Um, but yeah, you can work around it. Sometimes it can be a blessing. You know, and it's a it's a chance to reevaluate what you've done in the past. You know, what was I doing? Why did I get injured? Was it freak injury? Was there something I could have done? Mm. There's avoid? a lesson to every injury, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, also the other thing about rehabbing injuries is it's very likely, even if you're, you know, very clever with the way you train and, you know, very good at sleeping and recovering and eating and stuff, you're going to get injured again. It's very like every time you rehab an injury, I think people have this thing of like done with that. That will never happen again. If you're going to do sport and activity, it is going to happen. You are going to get injured again. So the better you get at rehabbing it, working around it and stuff, the less painful and the, mm. probably the, the easier the process is going to be. And you mentioned before about prehab and rehab. Can you just elaborate what that is for people that are listening? Yeah, well, prehab, well, rehab is you know what most people go through once they're injured so that they'll have like a rehabilitation process of you know fixing the joint or the muscle or whatever. And prehab is kind of a phrase that people come up with is with injuries and stuff sorry exercises have to do to prevent getting injury so you're trying to sort of prehab you're doing things so in the jiu-jitsu world we might do neck exercises and stuff that are hopefully going to prevent um getting injured and if you do get injured you usually do similar sort of things but now it's rehab because you're actually trying to rehab the uh the exercise so it's a big i think as well that world to me is there's a big piece of the fitness um well, the health and fitness puzzle that people are missing and it's what I would call um, and what I mean what a lot of other coaches term function so if you think about a pyramid there would be like health at the bottom your baseline things like you know blood pressure not having diabetes not having other things so like baseline health having a good resting heart rate 
that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Then there's function, which I think a lot of people miss. Then on top of that, there's fitness. So how strong are you? How fast can you mm. run? And then on top of that, there's skill. And so if you if you want to be, let's say you want to, you know, throw a discus fairly far. There's some skill to be able to do that. That has to be based on a certain amount of strength and speed and explosiveness. But that has to be built on a certain level of shoulder function, a certain level of anatomical function. If you want to throw a discus, you've got to be able to rotate. You've got, your arm has got to move in a certain way. And that's got to be based on the fact that you've got, you know, your blood pressure is not through the roof. You're not going to faint every time you do it, right? And I think that function bit, which is where your your prehab, rehab in, mm-hmm. stuff comes from. So like your you know, rotator cuff exercises, your neck things, making sure that you have the right mobility. You know, if you want to deadlift, you've got to have a certain level of hamstring mobility, right? So you can haul the weight up. That's your fitness. And there's obviously some skill. If you want to then turn, say, deadlifting into, you know, clean and jerk or snatching, there's some skill to that that you have to build up. But if your shoulders don't work very well, if you don't have the right hamstring mobility to get over into a good position, then you're building it on bad foundations. So mm. that's where I see that prehab, rehab lying. And that's where we do a lot of talks on, and I do a lot of work with people, is restoring function Let's to come a body. back to that. Sure. I really like that pyramid. <laughs> I can talk to you more about that after this short break. with us we'll be back this 91.8 haze it's matt love it we love it <laughs> love it <laughs> have you only just realized that <laughs> i have just realized sorry you probably had that your whole life haven't you yeah but you know what i like it a lot more now than i did at school now it's quite it's done in quite a nice way and it's usually done once and people think it's kind of a cool name whereas at school it was just done over and over and yeah, over again and, you know, that's okay yeah you're bringing up some bad memories my bad <laughs> we can do some nlp on that if you like yeah please yeah <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've, I've got some issues um, so what I wanted to do next is just go through some listener questions that we've got previously. Whoever's on the show, awesome. I always um, put a post out on Facebook um, and see if people have any questions. So we have, why am I tired all the time? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, based on what I said earlier, you know, for me at the minute, from my experience, diet was a big one. You know, are you consuming enough foods, especially from like carbohydrate, fat sort of circles to give you energy? Are you sleeping enough? That would be a, a big one. And then I'd look at the, you know, your schedule. Is your, I'm assuming this person may be trained. So is your schedule optimized to promote recovery? So therefore, you know, are you having rest days? Or if you can't have rest days, are you having lower intensity days? Um, usually if you're tired, your energy demands are out of whack, right? So either it means refueling more by eating or sleeping. Or and or bringing the training down less. If you can't recover more, maybe you have to train mm, less. There are some signs, aren't there, of overtraining? Yeah. Like yeah. I know one of them can be not being able to actually sleep because you think that oh, if I just sleep, I won't be exhausted. But then you can't sleep because you're so wired. So wired all the time. Yeah, and I, as a, I think we mentioned this earlier as well. Like I have little kind of signs of like, you know, digestion. If digest, I mean, and and skin health and stuff and these aren't just you know we all wake up sometimes you you got you know a bit of dodgy digestion for one day or you you know you've got a bit of bad skin for one day but if it's constant if you've had a sort of bad digestion for a few days or if your energy levels are tanking or you can't sleep and it's a few days mm-hmm. that's usually a sign that they're, they're good signs of things going on with your hormonal nervous or slash nervous system um so if you're tired all the time i would definitely look into diet um but, but i'd also look into the one with the biggest gap if you're training hard every day, you know, 
putting some rest days. If you know you're getting three hours sleep, look into addressing that. And if you know maybe that you, you know, have you just started like a low carb diet or, you you know, you're trying to be a bit leaner or cleaner with your, your diet, then maybe, you know, you're not actually giving yourself as much energy as you need. Maybe you're following someone else's diet. So I'd look at the biggest gap and address that one first. Mm-hmm. And definitely see these things, the question, the reason why you've asked it is a red flag. So it's showing that something's out of whack. So just start looking at your whole life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're someone, I mean, if you are someone that, you know, trains and you've got a relatively good plan, you're sleeping um, eight hours a night and it's solidly through and you're still tired, then, you know, but your diet is, you know, you're not eating any carbohydrates or you don't get much fat in your diet and stuff, then look there. If your diet's really clever and you sleep two hours a night, let's start there. Okay, and how can I fix my knee pain? Okay. Um, you must see that a lot in your uh, facility. Yeah, yeah, you, you get a lot of knee pain. Um, I mean, it's, obviously there are loads of reasons you could have knee pain. So, so there's there's like sedentary knee pain, isn't there? And then there's like training knee pain. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, yeah, you, you'd class it as like there's obviously injured, right? So if someone kicked you in the side of the knee or you, you fell over, your knee bent the wrong way, then that's actually like a structural injury. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might always want to go get things scanned. Is there, you know, ligament damage? Is there other things? There's that. There can just be, you know, I guess sedentary knee pain would be if you're sitting around a lot, things get stiff, things don't work um, as they go, and then you go to use your knee and it hurts. You could be overdoing it um, with the knee. The things I would look at would be the... The function thing, like again, like is there? Have you got health problem? Is there actually damage at the knee? If not, then I would start to look at like upstream, downstream. So above the knee, so like the hip and the muscles up there, or down below. So if you've got someone who's a runner, for instance, and they've got really stiff ankles, that can sometimes really just manifest itself in the knee. Likewise, if you've got core stability problems, um, you so you're not controlling where you're landing very well with running, for instance, again. Um, that could generate knee problems. So if you don't have, if you've got a structural injury, then go down the injury, you know, rehab bath. If it's a kind of a wear and tear pain, then I'd be looking at the function side of that pyramid we were talking about in terms of do you have adequate mobility upstream and downstream from the knee, so in the hip and the ankle, and do you have adequate stability of the ankle, of the hip, mm-hmm. of the core? Well, it could be over tight muscles because I found with myself, I was doing a lot of classes that were very quad dominant. And so my quads were stronger than my hamstrings. Uh-huh. And so therefore I feel that that was maybe pulling my kneecap and I was getting a lot of knee pain. Yeah, so functionally you probably didn't have an, enough mobility through the front of your hip. Um, and so, yeah, your kneecap isn't in the position you want it to be. Um, and that might be linked. So again, you, you, i got to play a little bit with what symptom, what's caused. That could be linked with not enough strength or stability in the, the hamstrings or the glutes or something else in the quads taking over as they mm-hmm. tend to do so yeah, yeah. I, I, very quickly for you know whoever asked that question first establish whether you have a structural problem as in there's damage to the knee and if there's not then you know start assessing itself if you've got mobility issues you know you have a very tight ankle on that side in which case that might be something to address or you know get someone who knows what they're doing to to have a look and give you a bit of an assessment but there's probably a stability which is the difficult part isn't it because if you go to the doctors don't exercise Rest it. Take some ibuprofen. <laughs> yeah, I'd say if, if if you know it's not a structural kind of thing, then look for someone with like a, you know, who can do a movement or a biomechanic assessment to see you know how is your body functioning and moving. Mm-hmm. And you do those, don't you? At yes, APS? absolutely. Um, what's the benefit of training split body part, and would I be overdoing it if I did, for example, abs every day? 
um, it's a good question. I guess the main... Um, this is a short one before the ad. Oh, the main benefit to it would be that you get more volume per body part if you split it up or lower or different things and you get more rest probably more nervous system rest because you're actually you know you're not having to coordinate loads of big combat moves in one day um and you probably are overdoing it if you're doing abs every day all right (laughs) (laughs) it's time for a break it's the last one before the end of the show get your questions in on facebook hayes fm we'll be right back Hello, welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM, the Way She Radio Show. We have the last 20 minutes now till 3 o'clock. So get in your questions on Facebook if you want them answered by Matt Lovett from APS Fitness. Um, and until you do, we've got some other listener questions that were already sent in earlier. So, my back hurts when I do kettlebell swings and deadlifts. What can I do to help this? Okay, so not to sound too repetitive, but obviously the first thing would be, you know, is there structural damage to the back? Um, is there so with those two for instance is there enough mobility especially in the posterior chain so that's the back of you so especially hamstrings have you got enough like this doesn't apply to everyone but it's just you know a a generic answer I kind of tend to give when you're asked a question someone wants some information but if if you're trying to deadlift and you get some pain and you can't touch your toes then you, you probably don't have enough mobility to get to the if we're talking about like a normal bar deadlift you know you might be able to trap bar deadlift or lift off of pins um but you might want to look at your mobility it's a very you know uh it's not a very elegant uh test but that would be one thing to look Mm. at if you've got plenty of um flexibility and mobility you might not have enough stability so there might be your your lumbar spine for instance which is where a lot of people get discomfort when they're deadlifting and stuff might be moving too much so you might need some more core stability the other two things with that especially the kettlebell swing is actually the skill so do you know how to do it well do you know how to actually take a you know a good breath do you know how to brace your spine so to kind of draw on the belly button back squeezing your glutes can you engage your feet into the ground sometimes you see people deadlift with their toes like up in the air and stuff which is probably not setting a bracing sequence that they they want so sometimes it could just be the skill you know have you actually been shown how to swing mm. how to catch it well and there's also um from my experience with clients there is also muscle soreness which you know if you if you train your bicep one day you might have muscle soreness in your bicep the next day people get scared of back pain that is so true yeah because it's true. called back pain and they think oh i must have pulled my back out or or slipped a disc or something because their back aches but it could just be that there are muscles in your back and you've trained them and now they're sore yeah if you're going to deadlift or kettlebell swing your low back's working pretty hard um so it, it, yeah, if there's soreness afterwards and it fades, then that's probably just muscle soreness. Mm. Um, and also, let's go to another question. How do I work out what percentage of my one rep max is? And should I be working... And Sorry, how do I work out what percentage of my one rep max and should be wor- that I should be working out for strength versus endurance? Ah, okay. Well... So for usually for strength training, you're looking at like a higher percentage of your one rep max. So you're probably working, you know, you don't want to work. Most people would, I think, agree you don't work at your one rep max because it's too much nervous system damage. It's too draining each time you do it. So you're probably working sort of three to five reps, which is probably somewhere between, you know, 80, 90 percent of your one rep max if you came up to sort of 10 reps you're looking at 75 percent um usually 
And then if you're looking at strength endurance, you're usually looking at, I mean, 12 plus, depends on the sport. You could go 12, 15, 20, mm. 50, 100, um, and you'd be down at sort of more like 50%. I mean, there are, if you, but that would obviously mean that you had to know what your one rep max is to then develop those numbers. You usually do it, I mean, you can test it, but it's a bit of a, a pain to do uh, and quite fatiguing. But, you know, it can be dangerous for some people depending on what it is you're testing. There are calculators, you know, all over the internet that you can put in your five rep max, ten rep max, yeah, and it will calculate for you. In reality, what you usually do is you pick, I mean, if you want strength endurance, you're going to pick a rep range that's above 12 somewhere. So let's say you pick 20 reps. I would just figure it out, you know, play with it. If if you're lifting a weight that you can't get to 20, it's too heavy. If you get to a weight that you want 20 to be the challenge, so you want to get to 20, you don't want to fail. On 20 usually because again you're it's a bit like you're one rep maxing you're like you're straining the system to the point of it's failing but you want to get the 20 and if i say to you how many can you do you know i, I want to hear two or three okay then that's then that's about your 20 rep max we're, we're round about we're just off it that's a good training load for you if you get to 20 you say i could do 20 more then you're way off Mm, and this reminds me of a conversation I had in the gym recently, which I thought would be good to share on air, actually, uh, with your advice as well. Because I really want to help people to get out of this um, mindset of going all, all in. And if they are doing their, their one rep max and they, they've reached a certain weight and it's like um, applaudable. <laughs> so then they want to go in every time and keep lifting that same weight because there's the ego of the people in the gym, people watching them or even themselves. They feel that I know I can lift that now. So therefore I want to do that every time. And then they just keep going and going and going until they break, until an injury happens. Yep. Um, they don't really understand that you have to like you do that once, that one rep max. And then you work to a percentage of it on a pr- training program. You have a periodized training yep. um, and the benefits Absolutely. of having a co- coach and everything else but there's so many people who just go in start training and like you're saying with the pyramid get to a certain level and then just every time think i have to always train at that level well i think what they're doing and i heard a, a you know really well-known i can't think of his name but a really well-known strong man was talking about it on a podcast when he was talking about his training the people that are doing that they're testing themselves every training session and that's not what that's not actually what strong men do in every training they're not testing that's for the competition that's the test mm-hmm. to see how much can I do? Can I break a world record when everyone's watched? That's testing. But if you test yourself every time, you're just going to annihilate your nervous system. So what they're doing is training. They're practicing. It's like a musician, right? They, you know, they might have a you know, headline slot at a festival and the guitarist might play so hard that you know, his fingers are starting to bleed and he's sweating. But that's not how he practices. You couldn't. You can't play to your fingers bleed and you're like you're dripping sweat and you're smashing guitars no one would let you practice like that right so i kind of use that as an example that with strength training it's the same you know you're not trying to test your capabilities every time because you will just break Mm -hmm. you are practicing you're greasing that groove um and you're training it so lots of strong men when they're doing their training you said it's a periodized thing and they're lifting weights that are beneath their maximum but they're challenging for like five reps or ten reps or whatever it is, and then come game day, come the big strongman competition, that's the test. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't have a competition stuff, it might be worth testing yourself every so often. But you're not, you won't actually get great results by testing yourself all the time. You have to just do some actual just practice. And that also relates to the next question, which is: Should I work out if I'm sick? 
And I'm just wondering, you mentioned the central nervous system quite a bit there. Do you believe that when your central nervous system is down, your immune system is down, that's when you're likely to get sick as well as injured? Yeah, absolutely. I think that most of the research you know, shows that exercise with a certain intensity lowers your immune system. So I think that training at high intensity when you're sick is probably not a good idea. I'll swing it back one more time to why. If I was training, or if I was, I guess, a, a, like an elite athlete, and we were running out of training sessions and the big competition is coming up and, you know, mentally I feel like I've got to, then maybe it's worth it. I'm not sure if you're going to get anything out of it other than, you know, skill rehearsal and feeling mentally like I've trained. Mm. Um, but it's maybe interesting to, to add that in. But maybe that's yeah. worth it for them. Is it worth it for the average person who's got to go to work tomorrow? No, you're just going to feel worse. So why are you training? You, when you're sick, what would be the point? Now, there is some... Um, some studies to show that maybe some aerobic training, some very light level, you know, you, you can hold a conversation and you just get your heart pumping and your blood going around. Maybe that may, might make you feel better. You sweat a little bit. Um, again, it depends what you mean by sick. I'm kind of meaning that you've got the sniffles. Mm-hmm. That might work. But certainly lowering the immune system via lifting heavy weights or doing interval training or HIIT training, it's not going to help the sickness. So I would say that your number one goal when you get sick would be to recover. So why would you go do something that's going to stop you from recovering? If you can answer that well, if you have a good reason to train that would prevent you from getting better, then that's your answer, then go do it. But for most people, mm. the main objective and would be to not... you're going to bring all your gems to the gym and get everybody Yeah, from a, from a gym <laughs> user's point of view, please don't. I mean, there's a, like a jiu-jitsu, there's a rule, like if, you're, if you've got the sniffles, you don't come training because you're going to give it to everyone else yeah yeah we're we're face to face with each other so so please don't so i would go back to your why but for most people it would be um just get better focus on doing something that'll make you feel better Mm -hmm. and now we're well into well not well into we're four days into february january is way past is what i meant to say um because the next question is about motivation a lot of people just get motivated in january from february it drops off how can i get motivated and stay motivated without the January or the Monday reset? I was trying to think of a way of saying why again without it coming out <laughs> the same. I, I think that's it. I think it's... Well, I, we did touch on that earlier, actually, didn't we? That once you've got that big why, you don't need motivation anymore. Yeah, and then also, I, I mean, you've still got to be fairly disciplined and savage just to always remind yourself that, you know, I'm doing this for whatever reason, this event, that event. So I think other things are, you know, create a, a network. When I don't feel like going to jiu-jitsu... You know, sometimes I see it's just going to see my friends. Mm. You know, so I don't have to think about, you know, some, there, there are plenty of Friday nights where I think I don't really want to go and have someone try to ch- strangle me tonight. But I could go see my friends and that's kind of cool. So I'll go see them and then strangling just happens to happen um, <laughs> after that. But and then, you know, sometimes I've got, you know, I like planning for myself, for my training and stuff. But sometimes you, you throw that away, go do something fun. You know, I'm meant to be lifting weights. I was but just thinking as you were talking, fun. Yeah, I, I think... I remember you... when I did like my first weightlifting competition. It's, I've only done one, and then I kind of went Very away cool. and came back to it. Um, and I feel that I don't want to do any for a while, because yeah. I don't want that mindset. I just want to train, as I was saying, building my foundation to get a good skill. Um, but with me, I always put pressure on myself. And someone said to me, why are you doing it if it's not fun? Yeah. And I thought, that's, that's really true, because why am I... I've got no... There's no why behind it. So I actually want to have fun. I want to do it for my mindset and all of these other reasons. I don't need all that pressure to then make it something that's not enjoyable. Yeah, I think that, you know, having a social group maybe or, you know, I mean, completely opposite sometimes for me 
is it as a coach, someone that, you know, as everyone can tell, talks a lot, uh, rambles on, uses their voice a lot. Sometimes training is a lovely hour for me to put some headphones in and just listen to music and be quiet or, or nothing. You know, sometimes I'm in my gym by myself so I can just have it silent. It's a nice reflective time for me. So um, I, I think you can have it as, you know, you're at alone time. You can be part of a group, helps motivation. You can do something fun. And then you use your why to govern that because otherwise it's a free-for-all. You might end up doing like weird fun things all the time, which is if your why is to have fun all the time, then that'd be correct. But <laughs> if your why was to, you know, do some, make sure your knees don't get injured when you're skiing, you know, the fun stuff usually isn't the prehabby stuff, right? So if, you know, if you, that's why it's come back to your why, if you need to do some knee rehab for skiing. Can we have fun all the time? Huh? <laughs> Can we have fun all the time? Get a job that you enjoy. I guess. exercise that you enjoy. <laughs> I guess that most of that comes down to mindset because everything becomes a job, right? Everything becomes work, everything becomes a bit chory. So I think that probably comes down to mindset. That's probably something you could uh, help me with, uh, help other mm. people with, is that you've got to view it as, you know, fun. Make mm. how do you make That's, cleaning your teeth fun? For me, I I, I keep assessing, so I, I have a lot of variety, and then I'll keep assessing: it. is it becoming a chore? Is mm-hmm. it becoming routine? Am I not enjoying it anymore? Well, let's change it. Yeah, and, and I guess and you I'm could... okay with that. Other people are, are more okay with having a routine and keeping it the same. Yeah, and I think something I add to that for people is um, that's really odd that people don't do. I think in the fitness industry, is, is it working? You know, people do things they don't like, and it's not even working. You know, they do something. Somebody told me to, or that. Yeah, that they, they go. Well, I, why do you like run? Well, because you know, I I should because I need to because I need to lose weight. Mm. Are you losing weight? No. Are you enjoying? It? No. Why are you doing this? And it's just because they've always done it, mm. or they should it's the do routine. it. Routine. Or I don't know what to do in the weights area. Yeah, or I don't Never know how. I'll get on the treadmill and just, it's all I know. Yeah. So I mean, is it ticking your why? Paying a gym membership <laughs> to run on a treadmill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, outside. so yeah. I mean, to wrap it up, come back to your, you know, to your why. Keep it fun, and keep assessing if it's working. Because that's the other thing. If it doesn't work, it becomes not fun, right? If you're trying to achieve something you're not, then it quickly becomes not fun. So if you can be successful with it, that's usually more fun, and we usually keep going. So to come back to the motivation thing, you know, find out. What, I mean, also assess. Maybe come back to assessment of well, why are you becoming unmotivated? Is it it's not working? Is it because you're doing it by yourself? Is it because it's monotonous? And then that's your answer. If it's not working, then, you know, find someone to help you make it more effective and then maybe it'll be more fun. If it's because it's lonely, well, you know, whatever you like doing, running, find a running club, find a cycling club. If it's monotonous, mix it up, go do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question. Yes. We're coming to the end of the show. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't sleep. My mind is too busy. How can I get more quality sleep? Oh, okay. Um, well, this is everyone. This is especially me. Um, you know, my mind races. I think part I'm not a sleep expert, firstly and foremost, but from my um, understanding of things and work with myself and others, winding down is a big one. Uh, I think that people just, especially busy people, um, you know, that's why you've usually got a busy mind and usually you've been tearing around. They can get off to sleep sometimes because they're so exhausted. They like donk, they hit the pillow. Um, and they fall asleep and then they wake up a couple of days later once they've just got enough rest to start the system back up their brain starts whirling and it's because you didn't shut down the system properly you know like if you've got a video running on a computer and you just shut the lid yeah. as soon as you open that lid up and it starts whirling the video just starts playing whereas if you you know, close it down shut all the systems down it would come back up quietly so I, I'm a big believer in winding down you know just taking 
half an hour to do some maybe breathing exercises is a great time to do some you know mobility stuff if you've got to do it or you know read a book write a list down just so mm. some thoughts like reading so good actually because it really ties your eyes and it's a focus on something that might be different to everything else you're thinking about in your own head yeah i'd say when i've been at my busiest reading um you know some breath work and just a list uh, just a good old-fashioned list of you know if there's something going around your head it's pretty because your brain is trying to get you to think of it remember it right and yeah. i find by journal yeah just you know if i've got something whirling around by my head and it's like i'll make sure you speak to the you know accountant or remember to post that video or whatever it is you know write it down it's done i don't have to don't worry about it anymore brain the notepad oh, knows that, yeah i have that because it'd be like hold on to that you don't want to forget yeah i think sometimes <laughs> you, at least you can just dump it out on a paper yeah it does feel it does feel like the brain is going don't forget don't forget don't forget yeah. and if you write down you go hey pal i won't it's done Let's get some sleep. So I'm a big believer of winding down. Obviously, make your sleeping environment nice. Make it cool. Make it all about sleep so you're not surrounded by loads of electronics and other things. Um, yeah. The blue light as well affects you, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I think there's... I mean, I think a lot of people that say that they're busy-minded, they have busy rooms, right? Their phones go in, TV's on, there's clutter everywhere, you know? So declutter. If you want to declutter mind, maybe start with the environment as well. Diet can play a factor. Um... And try and get into a rhythm with sleep. Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol, blood sugar levels. If you keep waking up early hours in the morning, there's, there's you know, studies that show that that could be blood sugar levels. So I would start with, you know, are you winding down in sleep and is it a nice area to sleep? Start with that. Um, and if that doesn't quite solve it, then look at, you know, what are you doing in the build-up sleep? Are you having caffeine after the, three o'clock in the afternoon? Are you having sugary things just before bed? Mm -hmm. um, things like that. But from my experience, winding down. And talking of winding down, <laughs> it's the Perfect. end of the show.